I'm Carrie. And I'm Amy, and you are listening to The Perks of Being a Book Lover, a show hosted by two book nerd friends who talk to other book nerds, including authors, poets, librarians, booksellers, and regular readers. Regular readers who also happen to be grant writing professionals. Our show (laughs) follows this format. We begin with my crabby dullness, which is especially on point today, and Amy's sometimes maddening enthusiasm. It took us a little bit of time to become self-aware and recognize that we embody the grumpy sunshine trope that we often see in literature. That is followed by a fun conversation with a new bookish friend about what they love about being a bookworm. Then we talk about what we're reading. And finally, we put our guest on the hot seat to answer some silly probing questions. We're glad you've joined us. This week, we chat with fellow book lover and grant writer Bethany Planton, who runs a book club for fellow members of her profession. When she began her own consulting company, she met several other grant writers from around the country through a Twitter chat, and they quickly realized that besides sharing a profession, they also share a love of books. The Grant Pro Book Club started six years ago and has always met virtually long before the rest of us picked up on the idea when the COVID pandemic began. We talked to Bethany about her undying love of Little Women and Louisa May Alcott, her role as a tourist ambassador for her city, and why it's never too cold for ice cream. But first, Carrie, we have all of our holiday decorations up, but you and I are both animal lovers, you with the cats, me with the dogs, and I am guessing that we probably have some unfortunate incidents with holiday decorations. Well, we we have had them in the past, but we've sort of wised up. See, the cats that we had before, they didn't get in the tree. One of them was would always gnaw on the leaves. Uh, now, we have a fake trees because we have horrible allergies. But one of the cats we used to have would chew on the leaves and then throw up all over the tree skirt. So, yeah, that was his MO. But they never got in the trees. One of the cats we have now gets in the trees, which was really cute when she was a kitten and the trees could hold her body weight very easily and not get out of proportion. And now she's got a big old butt and she'll sit in the tree. And then we've got these huge, gigantic open spaces where you can tell that she's been in the tree. But we have learned that we have to put hand weights on the bottom, you know, to hold the tree down so that when she gets in it, she doesn't topple it over. So we have probably 30 or 40 pounds worth of hand weights <laughs> at the bottom of the trees. And then we have the top of the trees, we have fishing wire strung up. So if the tree were to start falling, it wouldn't fall all the way over because it's it's strung up with fishing wire that's either connected to the the window framing, or we have these two really big bookshelves that anyway, so we have contraptions to keep. You're not concerned. It would knock over the bookshelf, pull over the bookshelf. I guess with all those books, it would no, it no, no, pretty no. weighted. Yeah. 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 The bookshelves are not going anywhere. So Christmas is fun. Woohoo. We've never had a problem with that, but when my golden retriever who is now, I just got to notice that from the vet the other day that she's now considered a senior dog <laughs> Uh, but when she was a puppy, our first Christmas with her, I was doing something in the kitchen and all of a sudden I hear her scream. I mean, a noise that you never want to hear coming out of a dog's body. Mm -hmm. And I run in there to see what's, and she starts taking off across the house and there is a, an unusually bad smell. (laughs) (laughs) coming from the front room where the Christmas tree is. 
And also the Christmas tree lights are all out. Once I made sure that she was basically okay, when I looked, Ooh. she started chewing on the Christmas tree lights as it was coming down off the tree. And she had electrocuted herself. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> that, how long ago was this? Because that actually explains a lot about peaches. <laughs> it does explain a lot about peaches because she has about three brain cells because I think all the rest of them got electrocuted. But she still has a little scar on the back of her tongue because I did take her to the vet to make sure that there wasn't any other major issues. But I mean, my front room smelled horrible. I couldn't figure out what, the, and it wasn't like an electrical smell. I couldn't figure out what it was. I, when I took her to the vet that day I, and I said, and, and she smells really bad. I can't figure out what it is. The vet said, oh, when she electrocuted herself, I think that her body automatically expressed all of the anal glands. Oh, gross. <laughs> oh, gross. And if you've never, I mean, I've had dogs all my life, but they don't normally like just, you know. Express their anal glands. They don't just like vacate them, generally <laughs> speaking, you know, but it smells like rotten fish. And that's oh. what my front room smelled like for a while. Oh. Anyway, that is my ho, ho, ho holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas story. <laughs> well, if that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit. I know. Nothing will. <laughs> nothing will. You know, we talk with Bethany. She's an animal lover. I wonder if her pet has ever had, we've, we didn't ask her that, if her pet's ever had any mishaps. Yeah, I was going to say any gland issues, but actually I don't even want to know that. I don't want to know about that. I think talking anal glands is kind of a personal thing. Yeah, I, do. I agree. Very, Very personal topic. <laughs> Let's chat with Bethany and, and, and listen to that conversation, which was fun. It's, it's always fun to, to get to talk books with Bethany. Our guest today, we have Bethany Planton here with us, but I'm struggling to remember how we met Bethany. There's a story here. Uh, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I think Bethany listened to our show, and I think that she and I happened to be at the same book event. And then we said, wow, we should meet at some more book events. And so we just started going to book events. Okay. All right. Most well, of them you did not go to because well, you're lame. But- well, you know, hey. <laughs> but so Bethany is my backup is what you're saying. Bethany, or maybe, she, maybe, maybe she, you're the backup. May, that's perfect. I am the Bethany backup. I like that even more because <laughs> I don't want responsibility. I am the Bethany backup. So Bethany Planton, thanks for coming and recording with us. Having coffee. So we're sitting here drinking our tea with Bethany. Well, we know a little bit about you, but tell our listeners a little bit about you. So I live here in Louisville, Kentucky. I've lived here for five and a half years now, and I love it. And I am a grant professional, and I've been a grant professional for 11 years now. I started right out of college, fell into it like lots of people do, like lots of us do. Some people get it other duties as assigned and then realize they're you know pretty good at writing and managing all the whole process. I started as an AmeriCorps VISTA, also on accident. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be an AmeriCorps VISTA, but I had moved right out of college and didn't know anybody, didn't have any connections to you know get the job because networking is still key to get jobs. And applied to this one job on Craigslist. Back then, it, they wow. had jobs on Craigslist and didn't know that it was an AmeriCorps VISTA position when I applied. And I was the only one that applied for the grant one. They're like, can you write? I was like, yeah, I mean, I've 
had a communications degree. Like, yeah, yeah. I've, I've written a few things right. in my life. Right. And the rest is history. Okay, a couple things. What's AmeriCorps VISTA? So AmeriCorps VISTA, VISTA stands for Volunteers in Service to America. Okay. So I wasn't technically an employee either. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting paid, well, they don't even call it pay. You get a living stipend. Mm-hmm. Under AmeriCorps, there's multiple types of volunteers. And so the VISTAs are the ones that are providing indirect service and it's supposed to help the nonprofit be able to build their sustainability and just what they are able to do. But you're not supposed to be providing the services directly to their clients. So I moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it was right after the tornado went through, the large tornado. And so they were rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And so we were providing support by, I was doing grant writing and trying to get gotcha. fundraising in. We had someone else that was doing marketing and the communication stuff, and then someone else that was a volunteer coordinator. So those three positions were all VISTA. And then the other people that worked in the office were actually providing the direct service. But we were not directly putting shingles on a roof or gotcha. helping always to rebuild. So where were you originally? So I grew up in Indiana. Oh, okay. In Muncie, Indiana. And I went to okay. college at Ball State University mm. and then moved around multiple times. I did not come straight from Tuscaloosa to, to Louisville, but now I'm here. Gotcha. <laughs> and you own your own business. Yes. So, grant writing business now. So I started, you know, I've grant written for a couple different organizations. And then in, well, in 2015, I'd started subcontracting for another consultant going, okay, let's see if I like this. And then in 16, I was like, I don't want to work for another boss. <laughs> I want to be my own boss. I want to have flexibility. So I established BMP Consulting um, in 2016. So yeah, we've been, I've been going for six years now. And something else that you've established is a book club for people who are in your profession. Yes. And that was happenstance a little bit. And I kind of just got elected to do it. Um, it was friends. We're not an opened book club. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are a very closed book club because we have become friends. So we're now all part of the Grant Professionals Association. Or before I started becoming a member, most of them were already members. But we had been on this, and it's still going, a Twitter chat called Grant Chat. And it met every Tuesday at noon. And we would ask questions about grants. And so this was one of the ways I was learning about grants when I was really new to it. But then we'd have these side conversations. You started getting things of like learning what people like, because we'd always have this check-in question that was a fun question not related to grants at all. Or like we talk about a book related to grants and then it would be like, oh, wait, but then have you read this book and have you read this book? And so we knew each other's personalities, even though we'd never, for the majority, we were not meeting in person. This was a completely on Twitter. So we kind of started, you know, having these side conversations and then following each other on Twitter. And then I went to my first GPA conference, annual conference in 2016. And it was at that conference, I was finally meeting these people in person, but we were already calling each other friends because we'd been having different communications, not just on Twitter by that point, but you know, Mm -hmm. these weekly conversations. And someone was just like, you know what, we should start a book club okay, who do we want to invite into this book club? So we started January of 2017 on Skype. We (laughs) started on Skype and we limited it to 10 people then because that's what you could do for free Skype. Mm. You could not have more than 10. And then it ended up being, oh, this is a good number. We are now to 11. Mm -hmm. We have 11. We've added one more person, but most people can be there. We 
very rarely to are all 11 of us on at the same time, but it's a good number of, okay, there's good conversation. There's always someone there to talk. It's not just you and one other person maybe mm-hmm. showing up. And now we have upgraded to using Zoom <laughs> for our monthly <laughs> So you were, doing, you were meetings. doing it long before oh, everybody yeah. else was uh-huh. doing it. Everybody panicked about the pandemic right, and like doing right, all the virtual. Right. We're like, we got this. What? Why are you all having trouble? Because we've been doing this for years before this. So nobody lives here but you. We have someone that lives in southern Indiana that works at the University of Louisville, but that's the closest person. Three, we much. represent eight states. Oh wow! And three time zones. Okay, yeah. so how do you do this? We don't have a certain date we meet or day of the week. I just send out a poll every month that says, here, pick the dates and at the end of the month or sometimes the beginning of the month if we have to like go into the next month. We read a book a month. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you choose books? Because I know like with our book club, that's the, guess, the carrot to get mm. people to host. Okay. Is that like, well, if you host, you get to pick the book that month. And so how do you all determine, since there's no host... Yeah. How do you do that? So from the beginning, we've gone in alphabetical order by first name, and you just get a month. So, and with now 11, well, 10 or 11, since we don't have one for every month of the year, you probably won't get the same month to choose every year, which is kind of nice because then you can pick, if you want to do seasonally, then you you get to kind of choose a different season. Yeah, we've always done that. And so... December is kind of, sometimes we read a book in December and sometimes we don't. We always decide ahead of time whether we're going to or not. Like this year, we're not reading a book, but years past, we've read like really short books where we kind of just choose them together. Frederick Bachman Christmas book. I can't think of the name of it, but. A Deal of a Lifetime. Yes, The Deal of a Lifetime. We read that as one of ours. We want to be able to say hi, happy holidays to each other, but not have too much pressure with everything else going on. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know sometimes you have them in person. Once a year. So that Grant Professionals Association, because we're all members, they have an annual conference, and that's at the beginning of November, generally. And that is our one time to all be together, because we all are professionals and part of the association. Now, not everybody always gets to come, but it's majority of us. So just this year, it was here in Louisville, and we are all here, and I got to take them to Havana Rumba for dinner, and they went to homemade ice cream and pie kitchen for (laughs) dessert afterwards. Oh my gosh, I felt so much pressure, because I love Louisville, and I love everything here, but to find like the one thing I could take everybody (laughs) to. So the conference is Wednesday through Saturday morning, so we always figure out one of the nights that we don't have a reception or something that we're all going to go, generally go to dinner. Last year when we were in Seattle, we ordered dinner in because of COVID stuff still, but we had it in someone's hotel room. Sometimes we have access to the larger hotel rooms in the, <laughs> yeah, but that is our one time to all meet. Some of us see each other at different times during the year because of travel or we're friends and we decide to travel together <laughs> and we text each other the pictures when we're together. It's like, look, we miss you all. But that one time a year, we get our group picture (laughs) because we're all together. Do you see any differences from when you have them virtually through Zoom and when you have them together, when you're all there present? Well, probably because we're only meeting together once a year. We don't really talk about the book when we're together. (laughs) (laughs) We are much more of like, oh, we're get, you know, get to see each other. Plus, you're trying to have dinner and just sometimes we're moving around. So we definitely are more focused on the book when it's virtually than when we're in person. But I could see that if we were meeting regularly in person, that would 
yeah. not be the case. Well, and like with our book club, we meet every month, but the first hour, hour and a half is eating and chatting, mm-hmm. you know, and then right. we try to get it out of everybody's system. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, get it all out. And then we'll talk about the book. And then sometimes even after we talk about the book, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. back to, you know, talking. And usually that's when I'm like, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> See ya. I don't remember at what point we started a text message group. So that now keeps us together. And it could be as silly as, look, we're having dinner together, you know, or, you know, it can be if a serious family thing. We, you know, we generally know when someone's having surgery, someone, something happened, we tell each other, or it could be, hey, did you see the news? The U.S. soccer team is going to, you know, onto the next round. Or we also do, you know, I have this problem in grants. Mm. <laughs> Please help. A lot of us are consultants. So I have this potential client. Is anybody taking clients? Or I have this ethical problem who has ideas. Or I have this weird question from a client. Has anybody experienced Mm -hmm. this before? So I really think the text message thread now has really, it keeps us engaged with each other. Because we range 30 years. Oh, really? I'm the youngest. And there's one that's about almost 30 years older than me. Okay. So I am assuming that you're not reading Grant professional books. No, that that sounds boring. <laughs> it does sound pretty boring. It's one to, uh-huh. for you to uh, <laughs> calm everybody down that you are not reading Grant professional no, books. No, no, this is a definitely for fun and a hobby. So we generally read mostly not fiction. We don't even read nonfiction for the most mm-hmm. part. There's a few like it, and there's most of us who are like, just give us the fiction <laughs> we want, because we also want a break from. We write nonfiction right. all day, right? And it would be nice, yeah. So this is a hobby. This is fu- for fun. <laughs> so we tend to do pick a lot that have female because we're all f- identify as female. So it, we definitely have lots that uh, have female lead characters, and I think those and how they have, especially if it's a historical fiction of like what was it like then versus what is it like now. Um, we've all in agreement. None of us would want to live in a time period before. <laughs> think I think we have good discussions with pretty much any book. That might partly be because we're writers, too. So we're not only are we talking about the actual plot, but sometimes we get nitpicky about how they did something. <laughs> Some of our favorite books, just in general, have been in the historical fiction mm-hmm. realm. And young adult, we really like young adult as a group. And some mysteries slash suspense. Okay. So mm-hmm. those are sort of your go-to yeah. genres. But we we have very few genres that are off limits. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't do romance. And we we don't want to do really self-help nonfiction. We'll do memoir. Like, this has been a group favorite was On Writing by Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Because it's, I mean, we had fun with it because of the writing tips. But then we also love the memoir part. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point, one of our members who said, I don't read nonfiction. I don't want to read it. But fine the book club is reading it and we're a very good club about reading the book (laughs) everybody comes and reads the book to the point she loved it and has done presentations now over the book and Uh, i I used it for instruction mm -hmm. you know like so good yeah uh, students you know uh, because there was there was a lot that was good in Mm -hmm. there but i think you can read it and not be a writer Mm -hmm. agreed because if you're just you maybe even a stephen king fan he takes scenes from his books and how they started out mm-hmm. and then how they ended up. And so I think it, it's not just a writing book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's been one of a favorite from this year? We just finished Who is Maud Dixon. I think that was a favorite. I saw you gave it five stars. Yes. On Goodreads. Yes. It's a suspense thriller. And it 
it's hard to talk about without giving anything uh, away. That's the problem with yeah. thrillers sometimes. Uh-huh. It's um, it's about who is Ma Dixon. I mean, okay, the title really is what it's about. You're kind of peeling back some layers because sometimes it's more fun actually to think about the books that people hate it or or just not, maybe not hate it, but books that people had really strong, like maybe not. Cause you know, if everybody's like, Oh, I love this book. Mm-hmm. Well, that's sort of where the discussion ends. Like everybody loved it and let's go have some more wine. You right. Know? So have there been books that have either uh, like prompted, you know, like differing opinions about. Yeah. We've had some that have split a little bit. I can think of a couple that we kind of all mutually disliked. I picked American Gods. When, it, when they were making the TV show and that did not land well. <laughs> because that's sci-fi fantasy. Which we can sometimes do. I mean, I like sci-fi fantasy and I was not a fan of my own <laughs> choosing. <laughs> we also read the 10th edition. It was it maybe in the introduction it mentioned that that's the way Neil Gaiman wanted it. That they had gone back to it, but the fir- original maybe had been edited differently. And I'm like, well, maybe I would have enjoyed it if it was <laughs> the e- original edited version versus this 10th anniversary. Yeah, that was very much a miss for the group. But there's been some fantasy and sci-fi that have hit. We're split on sci-fi fantasy yeah. and who likes it and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we had... Um... I think one of our more interesting discussions recently was we read for November. Our book was "We Were the Lucky Ones." We d- we love that one. Well, loved so it. here's the thing: it was kind of interesting because so what we do, person who picks the book mm-hmm. starts like, "Why did you pick the book?" Okay, and, you know, "What do you think?" And, da, da, da. and then we kind of go in a circle. And so, like, it was kind of interesting to me because everybody's like. I liked it, I liked it, I liked it, I liked it. And then we got to Amy, and Amy and I had already had a discussion. And it wasn't that we didn't, like, the book, the story is really amazing and really good. But it's hard to keep the character straight. Mm. Because even by the end of the book, we were having to reference mm-hmm. the, the family tree at the beginning. And by the end of the book, like, by the time you're 25 pages to the end, you should kind of, like, know who the characters right. are. And so we still were like, now, which one is this? Mm-hmm. And then we felt like, because that was a pretty long book, that it was maybe like 50 pages too long. Like things could have been Mm. cut a little bit, you know. And so the funny thing was, so we both kind of said, it's not that we have a problem with the story. We think the story's really interesting and really Mm -hmm. good. And by the time you finish the story, you're like, oh, this was such a great story. And I think that's what happens is people forget some of the writing. Well, anyway, so the funny thing was we got to Amy and then I said, well, I agree with Amy and here's some other things. And then it seemed like other people were like, oh yeah, well, I did think that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, come on, you know. So I felt like that was kind of an interesting discussion because mm-hmm. we were kind of split on, you know, some people loved it, loved it. But then when you started talking about it, it's like, well, okay, I can see that. Well, do you all have... Discussion questions or just the... No, not really. So I come with discussion questions. Oh, <laughs> you okay. are a preparer. Uh-huh. Often you can find them online. Like I, yes. I very rarely have to create questions, which is good because I'm not good at the creating the questions. But I can find some and pick one. So then we have specific things to talk about with each book. Okay. Someone's already pulled out some of the themes and maybe why did they change or 
you know, things to talk about, which is nice because those discussion questions also sometimes have an element to bring it into our own lives. And so then we're also getting to know each other a little better because we can relate it to something mm-hmm. in our own lives. I think people like to read books and I like the book part of book club. You know, like if, if I was doing how much do you love book club for the books, I would be like 80% the book and 20% the social part of it. Right. And I think other people are like 80% the social part uh-huh. of it, 20% the book. I do think doing it virtually weeds that out a little bit. It does. Because, I mean, you are being social by Mm -hmm. doing it by Zoom. But I probably, if if I was going to a group just to be social, I'd be less likely to go. Oh, yeah. We discourage. (laughs) We we are not just a social group. Because if you you know if you come to book club, we're going to spoil the book. Mm, And everybody, almost everybody reads the book every month. Mm -hmm. Because we're only on Zoom for about an hour. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit here or there. And we d- we start a little with chit-chat. But we get into the book almost right away because most people are like, well, I'm on Zoom. I want to get to right. talking right. about what we're on here for. Again, all of us use it so much, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just as a profession, but as a profession, we use it a lot. We're in a lot of meetings. And so I think that's also it. We're using this technology all the time. Right. But right. that could also be a challenge. I mean, when we were doing it on Zoom, our book club – because of the pandemic, there were a lot of people who were like, I have to be on Zoom all day long for my job now. And it's just, I just don't want to be on there like another hour. Do you do you all ever have that? We do, especially through the height of the pandemic when we were, everything was on Zoom. But I think because we had started doing this before the pandemic even started, everybody was used to it mm-hmm. and liked the value of coming to book club. Mm-hmm. And so it was like a high priority to come, even if you were had Zoom fatigue and were tired of being on it all day. Yeah. Bethany, you go to a lot of book events. And I know this because I have been to many book events with you. So author You're always events. there. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I didn't actually start going to author events till probably just a couple of years ago. Yeah, me too. Why'd you continue to go to these, Bethany? <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing the authors talk about their books. It always makes me want to read the book. Even if I had no interest before, getting to hear their passion for the book and how they describe things. And sometimes the backstory of like why they chose certain things and why they wrote it the way they did. It just is interesting to me and I find it fun and, you know, enhances my reading experience of the book. And it's fun to just you know, have something local to go do, especially when it's free. It's free. It's in our either our favorite bookstore or the library, which I love both of those locations too. What is an author event that you went to that you hadn't read the book and then then you read the book and you really liked it? Brooke Lauren Davis. She's Uh her first book. I've not been able to get my hands on the second book, but I've went to both events. So for her first book and for her second book, and I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed learning more about her growing up and being in Ohio and then writing this book. The yes. Hollow Inside. And, and the second one was After, After Dark with Roxy Clark. Yes. She writes sort of YA yes. thrillers. Mm-hmm. And then another one, so Silas House edited uh, Drowned Town by Jane Moore Waldrop. I went because Silas House, not because I had known her at all. And then I loved that book. That was a very interesting. And it was about a part in Kentucky that I'd never heard of because I'm not from Kentucky. So I I didn't get the Kentucky history (laughs) that you might get if you grew up here. That I thoroughly enjoyed it. And now if she writes something else, I will 
definitely be like, oh, yeah, automatic read. I'm actually reading that book right now. Um, I I bought a copy when I was there. And it's like a collection of short stories, but they're all interconnected. Mm -hmm. And it is about this small town in Kentucky that's on a – like a little river – and the government decides to dam it up to make a recreational lake. But what happens is all the people who live in this small town are displaced and have to move elsewhere mm-hmm. because they can't stay there. They're going to drown their town, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, and it's true. It's a true story. But it's fictionalized by the people you're getting to hear about that live there or had some sort of tie to the area. You know, this is a, a book nerd problem for me. Is that if I buy a book, it almost certainly means that I'm not going to read it anytime soon. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Always. Because I've always got a library hold list that's coming in and that has a due date. My owned ones? No, that has no due date on it. I know. I feel like it's almost like dooming that uh-huh. book and that author. Uh-huh. If I that buy it. For years, uh-huh. potentially. Yeah. Yes. I almost don't buy it so that I will get it from the library. And then if I really like it, then I'll go buy it just so that I have read it. <laughs> it's so bad. All right, I'm curious. How big is your TBR list? Oh, I have to pull oh. up Goodreads oh. and see what the number that is. is. That Isn't is that a scary. great question? That is a great question. I have 431 books on my to be read list on okay. Goodreads, and I did clear it out earlier this year. So really? that I at least weeded out some. So this feels like I really do want to read most of those 431. 431. What do you have? I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> I have 582. Nine hundred and forty. Oh <laughs> well, sometimes, especially in Goodreads, I just add it, and then you forget why and, you added yeah. it. And also, I don't know. I think I'm right about this, but if you ever enter any Goodreads giveaways, it automatically it automatically it. adds it again. I mean, so I have not gone through and like cleaned it out. Yeah, I need yeah. to probably do that because I know there's certain books that every time they notify me, oh, we're doing a giveaway for this book, and I enter it every single time. Right. That they're then adding it to my list. Right. Again. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing. Yeah. You're like double us. I am double you. All right. <laughs> so is there a book that you've added to your TBR recently that you're like, I really, like if all the stars aligned, this is the book that I would really want to read. I will share this. So one of my former students that I am friends with on Goodreads recently put that they're reading a Patricia Highsmith book. And I can't mm. remember now which one, but I was like, huh, I've never read anything about it. she murder mystery? Well, uh, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, which okay. is mm. like a thriller. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize this. I didn't put two and two together. So there was a movie a couple years ago called Carol, and it had Kate Blanchett. Well, that book is actually called The Price of Salt, and it was written by mm. Patricia Highsmith. Anyway, the point of this is that I was like, you know what? I have never read Patricia Highsmith. And that's an author that I'm like, well, maybe I should read. So I put three potential Patricia Highsmith books on my TBR just because I'm like, oh, I sort of forgot that was an author. And I kind of like the idea of reading like the backlist Mm -hmm. of some authors Mm -hmm. because I feel like, well, number one, I'm cheap and I don't want to buy like hard (laughs) book you know mm-hmm. like i want to be able to find books pretty easily in the library and you know if there are new releases you're going to be waiting forever to find it but i also feel like we f- tend to forget that there's some 
really good books mm-hmm. that are already out. Sometimes I feel like, especially on Bookstagram, we're always chasing the new shiny yes. thing, yes. right? Yes. And there are a mm-hmm. lot of great new shiny things, but there's Ooh. there's a whole lot more great backlist books. Right. In 2023, I want to get more to my backlist. I'm tired of buying books and then not reading them. <laughs> we will see how, how that's going. I know. I never do very well on these. Because you're like, squirrel! Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I also want to know what, I want to be part of the conversation. So right. if people are talking about the new fancy book, I want to know yeah, about it's it. It's like FOMO. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 All right. So do you have a book that that you've added recently? Okay. Well... It's maybe not as exciting to some other people, but <laughs> November 29th is the day Louisa May Alcott was born, and so also her father. So the Louisa May Alcott Society, the last couple years, has been having a Zoom meeting where we celebrate her birthday either the day of or it's been on Sunday, so whatever the Sunday before is. And so I added two new books from that because we have people come in that have, who have written a new book or have some new article about Louisa or her family. We're not just about Louisa because May Alcott, her younger sister, she's Amy in Little Women, was an artist and so also has a lot of things. So there's two books, Louisa on the Front Lines, which talks about Louisa being a nurse in the Civil War. And then May Alcott, it's a book about her travel writing and some of the artwork she did. And so both of those, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I I am intrigued. I did not know this, that you were such a huge Louisa May Alcott fan. She's my favorite. Uh, In 2015, I embarked on trying to read everything she'd written. Oh, wow. And you didn't succeed? I did not succeed because she wrote so many short stories that you can no longer get. Oh. You might be able to find them, like, in archives, but to find them in a bound book was almost impossible. So how did this start? Was Little Women, like, your favorite book? And I don't know why I chose Little Women when I was, like, in sixth grade, but I ch- read it, Little Women, the f- summer after sixth grade. I really did enjoy it. And I had read some things here and there to the point that I wanted to do my, my high school senior paper on Louisa May Alcott. But at that point, there wasn't, or I didn't know enough resources to be able to do it. Ended up having to, I did F. Scott Fitzgerald instead. But then my parents knew to look for, like, biographies and things. And so I read some stuff. In 2015, it's just like, I've never read all of it. Maybe I should see. But at that point, I had no idea what the list was. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's, a, I think, only one biography that has a list in the back. If you look at my copy, it's got a bunch of check marks of like when I read stuff. And actually, this was serendipity that that year I ended up going to Orchard House, which is her house that she lived in as an adult with her family. And so that was in that z- same year. And I was like, it, it felt like taking my pilgrimage when I got there. So besides Little Women, is there one of her books that your second favorite or that you really enjoyed? I really like all of her novels. So I like Old Fashioned Girl. I like Eight Cousins. I like Rose and Bloom, Jack and Jill. I've Uh, never even heard of them. (laughs) I've heard of The Long Fatal Love Chase. I think I've read that. And then Joe's Boys. Which is a continuation. So it goes, I think it's Little Women, Little Men, and then Joe's Boys. So it's all a continuation of the Little Women start, which we didn't know this until 1950s, that she also wrote under a pseudonym, which is where the fatal chase came under. But she wrote what she called Blood and Thunder short stories. And so Behind a Mask is one of those. And now those have been put in some collections. Hmm. Okay, so my next question would be, 
What is your favorite movie adaptation of Little Women? Actually, well, I had not watched a ton until I got to be an adult. I would maybe have to say now Greta Gerwig's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Only because I love what she did to bring in Louisa May Alcott into the Little Women story Mm -hmm. and showing how it's kind of autobiographical, but also showing what Louisa's actual life kind of looked like. I don't think it's a great one for those who don't know a lot. I mean, because it can be confusing on how the timeline works and bringing in this other information. And I think there was some information that you read in one of the other following books that also got brought into the movie. But as a a big fan, it was fun to see it all come together. Mm-hmm. And I know that Greta also was working with Orchard House and the people who work at Orchard House to get things correct and have it accurate. How do you feel about novels that are inspired by Little Women? Have you I read? like them. I enjoy, yeah, because I like the story enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to see what, what is done. Have you read March by Geraldine yes, Brooks? Yes, I have. And I thought that was very interesting because of getting to see Mr. March, who's not really in Little Women, and kind of maybe see what was happening. And Marmy, you know, you get some of like, that Marmy wasn't quite as... Um, well, it, but she says in Little Women, like, I'm angry every, every day, day of my, my life. life. Yeah. But you get... Why she's why, angry. Yeah. Right. You get more... Yeah. Right. Although, you know, like, if you look at the time period, you can sort of guess. Yes. Why she may be angry every day of her life. Yeah. So yeah. Are, is there another one that you've read that you've enjoyed? So Many Beginnings, A Little Women Remix by Bethany Morrow. And that one is set also in the Civil War era. It is an African-American family. And they are in this area of, I think, one of the Carolinas where it was set up by African-Americans. And they didn't have their own government, but they ran the area. And everybody was working and, you know, getting paid wages. And it's a very also interesting retelling. Yeah. I didn't know that there was a society for Louisa May Alcott. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was a Jane Austen society. Yes, I'm also a member or have been a member of that (laughs) as well. Have you? Uh-huh. Yeah, because there's a local chapter here. So yeah. Louisa May Alcott Society does not have chapters. I must have discovered it, Louisa May Alcott Society, by in the pandemic, maybe, because I have only been a member a couple years. So, Amy, you haven't chimed in, maybe because it's really hard to pour through almost a well, thousand. Well, no, I'm not going to pour. I'm not going to pour. TBR I'm just going to tell you about the most recent. Oh, okay. How about well, that? That's, that's the one yeah. that's at the top. Yeah. Because the second one is actually Who is Maude Dixon, because I saw oh. that she gave it five stars. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention that one. So this sounds really interesting, and I think it just came out a couple weeks ago. And I saw it on Goodreads on our friend Tabby Politsky's mm-hmm. Goodreads that she had added it. But it's called Santa's Secrets by K.C. Wells. And I'm always looking for holiday reads that are not like sh- super mm-hmm. like hallmarky. Mm-hmm. This one sounds super interesting. It's about a little boy who sees Santa putting the, the oh. presents under the tree when he's about 11. And then he goes every year and, and goes to see Santa. But then when he is aging, but Santa is not, but he is kind of in love with Santa. Mm. Anyway, I'm not exactly sure where it's gonna where it's going, but it sounded intriguing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that Santa feels the same way about the boy <laughs> that the boy okay. feels about Santa. Okay, I don't know. All I know is that it's a unique take on Santa. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. But the review said that it was like heartwarming, 
but not schmaltzy. Mm-hmm. And so that... Probably no hot Santa sex. I, no, I don't think there's any hot uh, Santa yeah. sex. <laughs> That's just fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a break and let's talk about what we're actually reading. Yeah. We're back with Bethany and with Carrie. And Carrie, what are you reading? So I'm going to talk about a book I finished not too long ago. It is called Gingerbread by Helen Oyeyemi. Uh, I listened to the audiobook version of this. You might know Helen Oyeyemi's Boy Snow Bird. Uh, you've probably seen that on shelves, and that is on my want to read <laughs> list. But I picked up Gingerbread mostly because it was, you know, a fairly short audiobook. That's my shtick. So I would uh, have picked it up just because I like Gingerbread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's mostly the shortness of it. Um, <laughs> So I, I will say that the author narrates the audiobook, and she has a, a lovely voice. So, uh, you know, if you just love to hear a nice voice on your audiobooks, this fits that bill. And and from what reading I have done about Helen Oyeyemi is that she kind of takes the seed of an idea of a fairy tale, mm. and she incorporates it into a story that, that is not fairy tale-ish, but it still has elements of fairy tales. Anyway, it's really hard to describe this book, but I will try. Okay, so what this book does is it takes some of the elements of the Hansel and Gretel story, and it combines that with this modern family, a, a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter. And when the story starts, they are in London. But you come to realize that they had this past history in a place that the author calls Druhastrana. And when I went down a bit of a rabbit hole, because I just, I love that name, Druhastrana. And so I was like, is that a real place? I've never heard of that. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. a city somewhere. Well, Druhastrana is actually, it's two words, Druhastrana, and it means the other side in Slovak. And so in the book, this grandmother, mother, daughter, the grandmother and mother had lived in a place called Druhastrana. And they have this relationship with this other family, a sort of a love-hate relationship with a family <laughs> called the Kerchivals. They have all been in Druhastrana, and now they are in London. And you find out how they're all intertwined and how this story of Hansel and Gretel, mostly Gretel, affects these three women. Anyway, it moves between this world that doesn't exist and a world that does exist. And it's very strange. Like the daughter is sort of like poisoned through eating gingerbread and she falls into this coma of sorts. And when she wakes up, her mother starts explaining to her about Druhastrana and Perdita has dolls, these four dolls that kind of like guard her room and the dolls talk. It's very strange. It's very strange. But I, like I said, it's hard to describe because it's not like, oh, this is a retelling of Hansel and Gretel. It's like she took a couple little elements mm-hmm. of Hansel and Gretel and worked them into the story, but in really like smart ways that 
that kind of stick with you and make mm-hmm. you think and make you wonder. And so, and I sort of like books like that, even though they're really impossible to describe to somebody when you tell them. But I think that her other book, The Snow Boy Bird, that takes, I think, elements of the Snow White mm. story. But, but this is kind of what she does. And just really smart. Like, so smart that that it confuses me a little bit. <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit not smart. I have read one of hers, The Icarus Girl. Mm. And that one was about twins, but also I'm also about Icarus, mm-hmm. you know, flying mm-hmm. a little. T- mm-hmm. But you're right. She, like, combines lots of things. I don't like feeling like I don't understand what's going mm-hmm. on sometimes. Mm-hmm. I liked it. And I have another one of hers I want to try called W is for Witching. That's mm-hmm. sort of a kind of a spooky book. Mm-hmm. But sometimes she makes my head hurt. Mm-hmm. See, I sort of like that. You like having your head hurt. I think what it does is it it makes me appreciate how her brain works. That she, I like, I would never be smart enough Mm -hmm. to pick up a strand like that and work it into a story. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I think I'm mostly like sort of amazed that people's brains work like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't mind feeling a little bit like, I'm confused, but this is cool. Let's keep going. So. Yeah. So that book was uh, Gingerbread, the audiobook by Helen Oyeyemi. Bethany, what have you been reading lately? Well, I was first going to talk about Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews, but we kind of mentioned that in the first section. I wanted to bring it up again just because that is what we just read. So since we're talking about book club, we did all enjoy it. It is a, a mystery thriller, and it's set in the publishing world. So if you enjoy books set in publishing, it does, you know, give a little take on that. Maud Dixon is a pseudonym. And so then you find out who is Maud Dixon and what this bestseller, you know, might be really about. It'll keep you turning the pages. We as a book club agreed there was no likable characters, uh-huh. but you wanted to keep turning the pages uh-huh. on it. Okay, okay. But since we kind of already talked about that, I wanted to bring up a second one since also the World Cup is going on. And I was at Carmichael's just looking at the graphic book section, and this caught my eye. It's The Keeper, Growing Up in Girls Sports by Kelsey Parker Irvick. And it's a graphic memoir about her time as a keeper. And then, but it also weaves in other interesting information about just soccer in general, but also specifically women's soccer and how that has evolved and kind of being the teams that were like the first teams. And it was just a very interesting and good read. Hmm. You know, sometimes we think of graphic novels is good for children this is not this is definitely an adult book because mm. uh, it follows her whole life so it starts when she's a kid and she's playing on this kind of elite team as the keeper and then goes through her whole life are you a, a soccer fan i am i t- attend a lot of the racing louisville games okay here in town yeah this is a newfound interest oh. i um didn't enjoy soccer for a long long time but then with louisville getting a female professional team i'm like i want to support them and so now i've been starting to learn about it sports has always been something i've enjoyed but especially learning soccer has been a newfound interest oh i I love that recommendation because that's one that you know is a little off the radar or at least for For you for me (laughs) a little off the radar for me yeah i love that all right amy 
I listened to several audiobooks when I was traveling over Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about a children's book that I listened to called Otter, O-D-D-E-R, hmm. by Catherine Applegate. And she is just a treasure of a writer for young people. She has two other books that I have raved about before, The One and Only Ivan, The One and Only Bob. She's a Newbery Award winner. I think she also wrote Wish Tree and I don't know. She She's written many, many books. This particular one just came out. It's about a little sea otter whose mother named her Otter. And Otter ended up at a like a an animal rehabilitation center when she was a young pup because she got separated from her mother in a large storm. So she has been in a rehabilitation center and the humans had to kind of teach her how to be an otter. And then they released her back into the wild, but she really likes people too much. When when they rehabilitated her, she was one of their first otters. And she became kind of attached to humans in a way that you don't really want wild animals to do Mm -hmm. if you're going to let them back in the wild. So now that she's an adult otter, she always wants to get too close to the kayakers Mm -hmm. and things like that. And she becomes injured again by a shark and ends up back at Mm -hmm. the rehabilitation center. This book is written in verse. It's about a two-hour audiobook, and it is based on real otters that the Monterey Bay Aquarium Mm -hmm. has taken in. And so the second time that otter is is in the rehabilitation center, they wear like these suits Mm. so that the otters cannot they don't look like humans mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be a great book for kids who like animals, who like nature, zoo-loving kids, or even adults like me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I liked it as much as my one and only Ivan because those I thought were kind of funny. And this one doesn't have that same kind of humor. But I, I was really interested in it because you learn a lot about wildlife rehabilitation. There's a place right outside Louisville called Second Chances Wildlife Rehabilitation that I follow on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have things like skunks and bats and Mm -hmm. groundhogs and things like that. And so it kind of gave me some insight, even though these were aquatic animals Mm -hmm. that they were dealing with. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. And again, the name is Otter by Catherine Applegate. I follow Second Chances too. And one of their possums that they had rehabilitated was injured again and came Mm -hmm. back on its own, came back to the center. They just posted that the other day. Oh, wow. Yeah, and was like, help. (laughs) (laughs) I need your help again. So, yeah. yeah. I know where to go. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, they were pretty great. Let's go back, yeah. Anyway, very cool. All good reads. Let's take another break, and when we come back, we'll ask Bethany her three and third degree. All right, Bethany, we're going to, well, although we really found out a lot about you already, but we have some other questions we need to ask. So you really love ice cream. Mm-hmm, I right. do. What is your favorite flavor and why? So there's this running joke that you can divide my life into three different categories of when, of certain ice cream flavors. Oh, interesting. So as a kid, I was vanilla and vanilla only and vanilla all the way. All the time, vanilla. Any sprinkles or chocolate no, sauce? No, vanilla on a cone. Because I did not like chocolate as a child. So anything with chocolate, I did not like. So that's partly why vanilla only. Then in my 
early teenage years, I discovered bubblegum ice cream. And so <laughs> bubblegum had, especially the kind I usually got, had chiclets in it. Yeah. So you'd have to get the chiclets on one side and get the cone <laughs> on the other so it didn't all intermix. That was my go-to flavor for a long time. And now as an adult, it's coffee. Mm. Okay. So do you only get ice cream when you're at like uh, an ice cream shop or a restaurant or do you get like tubs of ice cream at your house? No. Par- going to the ice cream parlor or ice cream shop is part of the experience. And so I went to go there and experience it, get that wonderful ice cream smell that just is intoxicating and be able to get it on a cone and get the toppings if I want. I've never tasted bubblegum ice cream. That sounds to me disgusting. (laughs) But I agree with you about coffee. Mm -hmm. I do love me some coffee ice cream. But if the place does not have coffee, then what's your next choice? Well, so with Comfy Cow, because that is my go-to here in town, they have a lot of seasonal things. So I like to get a seasonal one. So right now, peppermint stick is my, that is a very high one. Now I don't want it in July. I only want it like November, December time frame. So I get some peppermint stick with some hot fudge on top. And that is, that sounds good. Delicious. So you are still an ice cream eater, even in winter. Oh, it's never too cold for ice cream. Okay. (laughs) When I was growing up, we would visit my grandmother where she lived and there was this homemade ice cream store but it only had the walk-up windows Mm. and they're open year-round because we're only there we visit her like twice a year there a short time it was so good we would we'd go multiple nights so it didn't matter the weather i've stood in while it's snowing you know someone was in the car with it running and you'd run back to the car after you got your ice cream but you stood and ordered i've stood in rain i've stood when it's you're sweating hot yeah a friend of mine we've been friends since we were 14 we both went to bellarmine university Uh and we had a a ritual like all through our undergrad where we would go get lunch on bardstown road and then walk and talk and and there was a place called white mountain creamery and it could be 20 degrees and Mm -hmm. i was like i'm stopping Mm -hmm. and i'm getting my ice cream Mm -hmm. and i would get oreo ice cream with blueberries on top and a waffle cone Oreo with blueberries on yeah, top? it was college. I was weird. <laughs> I was like, no judging. So, Although I yeah. suppose I did judge your bubble you gum. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I shouldn't judge. Yeah. It just, I can't imagine. Yeah, I think the whole, both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah. The, through completely. Yes, yeah. 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 Anyway, so I agree. It is never too cold nope. for ice cream. No. Nope. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay, question number two. So you were a bit of a hometown ambassador here in Louisville. So tell us about the process of becoming that is it called an ambassador it is it's a certified tourism ambassador so cta and that is the organization that also does it so you get certified through them and louisville unfortunately no longer has the program Mm. so it used to go through the town's tourism and they would offer a class and so you had some reading material before the class and then you go through the class and then you take a it was just on the computer, take a test to pass. And then if you pass that, then you become a certified tourism ambassador. And then every year you have to do certain things to be able to renew it. And so you can get points from attending events and going to local places, specifically the like museums and things like that, which I'm like, well, I go and do that all the time. Like that's <laughs> not hard. <laughs> so yeah, I had seen Louisville advertise it couple years ago and just you know i knew i love the city and thought oh maybe i should just do that for fun it sounds you know it's usually for the tourism industry which mm-hmm. i'm not in but i thought oh that sounds like fun and then when the grant professional association was coming to louisville for our conference i thought 
if I'm going to do it, this is the time. Let me go at, get it ahead of time. So actually, I've been a certified tourism ambassador now for a year. What What was something that surprised you that's here in Louisville? I like to give a plug to the little loom house. Mm. I did that this past summer, and it had been on my list to do and get to, but that was, was really interesting and just this cute little place that, you know, you have to kind of know you're going there yeah. <laughs> to find it. <laughs> you get the history of the area, but the end of the tour, they also teach you how to weave on a, a small loom, and you get to take home a, what they call a mug rug and so that was lots so of fun. So what is the Little Loom House? The Little Loom House, they do all kinds of weaving. Mm -hmm. They establish weaving, and it's it's got a long history. So originally the buildings were established as summer houses for people who lived in Louisville because it's it's in a wooded area. It's Now it's part of Louisville, but back then when it first established, it wasn't Louisville yet, um, but it was a quick ride or like a trolley ride down for them to get to these summer houses. And then at one point, one of a rich family bought it for their daughter who did like to, to use it as a place where she would weave the things they weave on are, can be quite large. And so you can't always have that in your house. And so, and then it became kind of like a artist in residence studio type place. No one lives there, but they definitely have artists that come and weave. You can tour it and just make your little thing, or you can take classes and make something larger and learn about it. All right. Last question. At the Grant Consulting Firm you own, you have a chief wellness officer. Tell us a little bit about her. Yes. Well, my chief wellness officer stands about, I don't know, she's 50 pounds. You know, <laughs> we don't really talk about people's weight, but we do talk about dogs' weight. <laughs> she's about 50 pounds. She's a black lab mix. And I adopted her from Tyson's Chance, that is in Shelbyville, Kentucky. When I got out of college, I knew I wanted to get a dog, but you know, you, you're renting and you don't have money and. I wasn't prioritizing it. Well, when I moved to Louisville, it was a priority to like find a place that I for sure could have a dog. And then I started looking for a dog. So I had moved to Louisville in May and I adopted her in July. <laughs> you know, rescues, you never know exactly what their age is. I say she's about 11. So she's oh, getting wow. a, she's yeah. a little older. And when I had gone to to the rescue, they specialize in dogs and animals that need specialized care whether it's health related or because they have anxiety or just don't get along well with other you know they're just not really adoptable at normal shelters mm -hmm. that's what they specialize in and so i had met a couple other dogs who weren't quite the right fit and they're like oh, really don't want to let you go because of my calm house no children mm -hmm. no other pets working at home all the time. Like I, my house was a very good house for a pet that maybe needed a little extra. And they're like, why don't you meet Gypsy? And, and she had never met anybody else. She never been put on the website as adoptable. We think she's ready. Let's test it. Met her, had a few treats, which is the way to her heart. <laughs> um, but I, I make that joke, but she is still picky on who she she doesn't like everybody, yeah. um, but it was pretty much love at first sight. And she's kind of like, yeah, let's. I want to go home with you. So then they brought her to my apartment, and that was a little hard to get her into the apartment because she'd never been in a house environment. So walking in was took a long time. But once she was there, after a few days, she got really comfortable, and yeah, now she is chief wellness officer, and she makes sure that 
I eat on a very regular basis. She makes sure I go outside on a on a regular basis. Um, she makes sure we take naps on a regular basis. <laughs> Some fun as and well. And she's good for mental health. Oh, she's very good for mental health. What was her issue that she was in the specialized? Well, they had to live trap catch her. She had been living on her own feral for at least a year. And someone had been feeding her, but could never get close to her. So they live trapped her and brought her in. And so she would always like hover in the corner when someone came into her area. So they weren't sure if she would bite mm. for a long time. So they were being very slow and cautious to see it. But then at one point the director was just like, well, she's been here long enough. I'm going to go in and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened, of course. She can have some separation anxiety. That's a little hard. Not too bad now at my house, like when I leave now, especially now that she's getting older, sometimes I can sneak out and she doesn't even know I've left. <laughs> you know? She would be a hard adoption mm-hmm. at some place like the Humane Society. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's got lots of energy. She loves walks. When we mm-hmm. go out on a walk, she loves it and don't dare try to shorten it or <laughs> bring her back or not go the route she wants to yes. go. Oh, yeah. She's in charge. On and the she walks. goes into the apartment. No problem. Now. Yeah. Or into oh, the yeah. House, yeah. Yeah. No problem, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. 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 But pretty much she'll follow me. Like if I'm going, yeah, let's go. She's she's up for trying something that's it that's all we got this this has been (laughs) yes it has (laughs) you can find bethany on instagram at bmp reads for show notes for the episode go to our website at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com we're also on instagram at perks being a book lover pod and on facebook at perks of being a book lover Finally, a huge thank you to Ford Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots community radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at fordradio.org.